The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sin. Mark the 11th chapter, verses 20, 22 through 26. Another. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. That's John, the 14th chapter, verse 15. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray in the National Prayer Chapel. I want you to know how to access the promises of God. We're going to be very practical today. I may surprise you by my honesty. But it's time we got honest about the promises of God. Let's begin as we pray. Oh, Father. Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we pray to you because you are our Father. And your will must be done on the earth, even as it is done in heaven. Would you come with mighty power today and open our hearts and cause us to stop playing both sides of the fence. Lord, it's time for us to be absolutely clear that our hearts are in the kingdom of God and not in the kingdom of this earth. Lord, would you give me the words to speak today? that they will be healing for my brother and my sister and that they will open the courts of heaven to them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. When I was in college, we had a professor come and do what we called a week of prayer. It was a series of lectures that he did every day at 11 o'clock I remember listening to this man speak one day. He was talking about prayer. And he was talking about the gospel of Jesus. 
And he, he likened the gospel of Jesus to a Mercedes. He said it's like a new car, a beautiful new car, brand new. And you walk around it, and you're told, this belongs to you. You open the door, and you sit down in this beautiful car. You smell the wonderful aroma of the, of the leather, the new car aroma. And then you look for a way to start the car. You look for a way to turn it on. And there are no keys. And you don't see a push-button start. And you're puzzled. What good is this beautiful new car if it won't run? And this professor continued and said, this car belongs to you. It is God's gift to you. And you must have the Holy Spirit to operate this car. And then he went on with his presentation. And I was utterly frustrated. I was angry. Of what use is this car if I have to have something called the Holy Spirit or someone called the Holy Spirit to operate this car and he's not around. This car is just taking up space. I don't need it. But it's pretty, so I'll keep it. And I'll go sit in it and I'll read in it. I might even have my lunch in it but I can't drive it on the road. It's dead. Well, these promises that I have read to you today, and I could read many other promises as well, I read them, and then I prayed them, and there were teachers who said, look, believe that the sick will be healed when you pray for them and just pray for them in belief. Well, I did that and nothing happened. So I stopped praying for the sick because when I prayed, nothing would happen. And so as the years of my ministry went forward, I thought the promises of God were wonderful. But they were frankly dead to me. And, and I ask you, are there things that you need in your life? And have you gone to one of the promises of Scripture? And have you prayed that Scripture and asked God, standing on that promise, that he would fulfill it? And nothing happened? Well, then I became a little more sophisticated in my prayer life. I listened to a, another preacher, and, and he said, God always answers your prayer. He says, yes, no, wait. And so now I could let God off the hook. God was just saying, 
no to me. Not now. So the promises work. The problem is they were still dead to me. God's answer to me was always no. Now, sometimes things would kind of work out and I could say, "Mm, I didn't do that, so maybe that was God moving in my favor, arranging this situation so that I could make progress toward my goals. And to be very honest with you, there were times when I was very conscious that something happened in my life that changed the direction of my life, and I knew it was God who had done it, but he had not done it based on a promise of God. He had done it sovereignly outside of me. And I found I was very much like, uh, what do you what do you call these games um, where you shoot a ball up and it spins around and it hits this bell and it goes there and it goes there, a pinball machine? I found my life was very much like a pinball, bouncing from this to that. I didn't know what was going to happen. I'd pray the promises and nothing would happen. Now, this should not be the normal life of a Christian. It is the normal life of the lukewarm Christian. But there are some very specific things you can do and need to do to gain access to these precious promises because it is only through these promises, according to Second Peter, that you can enter in and participate in the divine nature of God. So without the promise being activated for your life, you're in trouble. You're a lukewarm Christian. Now, as I've been thinking about it, it's almost like a credit card I received in the mail. It was a credit card with a a credit line of $19,000. Now, I don't use a credit card unless I can pay it off. I know I have the money and I can pay it. So it's easy sometimes to use that card knowing that the money is available to pay that card at the end of the month. I don't go in debt anywhere for any reason. But this card had a credit limit of $19,000. Now, let's say I take that credit card worth $19,000 and I go eat somewhere. And after the meal, I hand them the credit card. And they come back a few minutes later and they say, I'm sorry, but the credit card was rejected. I said, well, how can that possibly be true? I I just received that credit card in the mail. I have a $19,000 credit limit on that. And I have purchased nothing on that card. Try it again. Perhaps it was put in wrong. So he shrugs his shoulders and goes back and he tries the card again. And it's refused. 
and I can't figure out why. And finally, the the young man with great wisdom says to me, did you remember to activate your card? Well, no, I didn't. Well, call on your cell phone and activate your card. Oh, okay, so I get on my cell phone and I call and I go through their hoop. They want to know my last four digits of my social security number and they want to know what my address is and what my name is. And then they say, okay, you can use your card now. So I say to the young man, okay, now the card is supposed to work. So he goes back, puts the card in, and it works. The card has been activated. Now, why am I telling you this? Because the promises in Scripture are dead until you activate them. So the question comes, how do I activate the promises of God? How shall I pray? What must I do to activate a promise of God so that it works for me? So that God will do what he's promised in that wonderful promise of his. Now, I recognize that most of you have been very much like me. Some of you have been very persistent. I remember I was in desperate, desperate need for a promise to be fulfilled. And I prayed that promise. And finally, I said, Lord, I'm going to set aside an hour a day to pray about this promise. Because if you don't answer your promises, how do I know you're there? I said to the Lord, I'm I'm tired of letting you off the hook. If you made this promise, then it must be true. So why isn't it working for me? Well, that one hour a day of prayer began to stretch into many hours a day of prayer. And the Lord began to deal with my heart, with my unbelief, with my arrogance, with my hardness. And finally, after a year of prayer, every day, from 10 to 11, and often stretching until 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the Lord moved in great power. And the promise came alive. And the promise worked. How I wish someone had said to me what I'm prepared to teach you today. My life would have been much less painful and much more productive. There's so much I want to say to you about this today, but I need to say it in some kind of order so that 
You can follow me. But I want to say something that that you all know to be true, but you don't know it to be true. And that is that all of the power to make the promises work, all of the power is in Jesus Christ. All of the power to activate the promises of God are found in our Lord Jesus. They're not found in the internet. They're not not found in the news. They're not found in the games. They're not found in our entertainment. The key, the power is found in Jesus Christ. Now, I started to tell you a story yesterday, and I didn't finish it. If you didn't hear yesterday's broadcast, please go back and listen. It's part one. It was about a man by the name of Reese House. He was probably 23, 24 years old. Uh, very early 1900s. He had returned from America to Wales where he was working as a coal miner. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was... He was learning how, by the Holy Spirit, through the atoning blood of Jesus to break the devil's dominion, to break his power over another person. He was learning how to activate the promises of God. And before this is finished, I'm going to tell you very specifically the steps you need to take if you wish to activate a promise, any promise of God. I'm not going to let you hang as that professor let me hang. But you need to understand the story of Reese Hall as he began to go through this process. It comes out of the book, uh, Reese Hall's, and that's spelled, let me spell it for you, H-O-W-E-L-L-S, Reese Hall's Intercessor by Norman Grubb. Now, Reese Howells worked in a village in gospel work holding cottage meetings. And as they were returning to their homes late one night, a group of them, after the cottage meeting was finished, they passed a group of women who were raucous and loud, obviously very drunk. They were a notorious group. Uh, the leader of that group was well known as a as a party goer unclean a confirmed drunkard and as they passed this group of women one of the party one of the members of their party exclaimed where is the power to change these people Uh, It was a challenge that Reese Howells understood was being brought to him by the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Pick out the ringleader of these drunken women and pray her into the kingdom of God by Christmas Day. Well, this was something new for Reese. He had never seen anyone converted without his personal influence, without his talking with them and praying with them, without his reaching out in concern and compassion for them. But in this case, the question was, can the devil's power be broken over this woman by simply going to the prayer closet and standing on the promises of God? The promise that God gave him is found in John 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me, that is, if you remain in me, and my words remain or abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done for you. So, his ability to reach this woman was going to be in direct proportion to his abiding in Jesus. That's where the power would be turned on. You understand, a promise is just words until the power's turned on. So we need to know how to pray, what to do, so that the power of God is released in that promise. That promise has to be activated. That promise has to be given power, brought alive. We can pray a promise for months on end for the salvation of a lost person, and nothing will happen. Some of you have confessed to me your utter frustration because you have been praying for a brother or a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife, and you've been praying for years and nothing happens. Why? Because you didn't activate the promise. So this promise, John fifteen seven, makes plain that the promise is unlimited, but its fulfillment depends upon remaining in Jesus. In John, 1 John, chapter 2, verse 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. In other words, it meant being willing for the Holy Spirit to live through Reese the life that Jesus would have lived if he had been there. Now, I want you to catch this. You cannot activate the promises of God by standing on the promise and then going about your business. It's going to require activation. Just like a credit card requires activation before you can use it to purchase anything. There's nothing in a credit card. It's just a piece of plastic with a chip. What's important is that little plastic card with that chip, when activated and put in the equipment, 
contacts the central office, and that office okays the purchase. The promise of God is just the credit card. And it has to be activated, and headquarters has to say, yes, let's do this. Or you can pray for the sick until you're blue in the face and nobody will be healed. You can pray for the lost and no one will be saved. And your frustration level will grow because you don't understand. The promise is right. So what's wrong? Is it something in me? I don't know of anything in me that's wrong. So I don't know what to do. So many of you have just cast aside the promises and said, they're pretty little flowers to look at, but there's nothing in them for me. There's no power in the promises of God for me. Well, that's going to change today if you'll grab a hold of what I'm trying to say to you. So, Reese Howells, and this is in way of review from yesterday, decided at the call of the Spirit that he would set up some very specific ways of abiding in Jesus. And these are not legalistic things that we must do. These are things that the Holy Spirit will call you to do because he knows exactly where the block is in your life to these things that he wants to accomplish through the promise that he has made to you. I want to say very specifically and in a cut and dried way, every promise of God is yes and amen. The problem is not with the promise. The problem is you have not activated that promise to accomplish what God has told you he will do. As I've been dealing with this about two weeks ago, the Lord told me to expect a very large donation He was more specific. He told me exactly how large that contribution was going to be. And I said, Lord, yes, we need this. Thank you. But you see, now he's made a promise to me, and now that large contribution will not be given for radio or church until that promise given to me by the Holy Spirit is activated. And so I'm now in the process of doing that. The way Reese Howes did it was he set apart a set time to wait on God every day at the same time. Now, I've done that as well. I have to admit, this morning I was 20 minutes late for my appointment with the Lord. And I was grieved by that. And I had to repent. I need to come and enter into his presence. And when I came to enter into his presence, he was gone. Because I was late. It was an appointment. 
How long will you wait for someone when you have an appointment? I'll wait maybe 10 or 15 minutes and then decide if I can't reach them on the phone that something happened and the appointment is off and I leave. Well, that's what God did. And it took some time before I could once more experience the presence of God. He did come. I'm very grateful he came back. And I had a wonderful time of fellowship with him. And he gave me some very specific directions about what I'm to do and what I'm not to do. Now, Reese House, in addition to this, also began reading at the beginning of his prayer time, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I've also begun doing that. Then any command that the Holy Spirit gave him as way of abiding, he was to immediately take that step and do what the Holy Spirit asked him to do. And during the reading of the Sermon on the Mount, the Holy Spirit would bring specific convictions regarding certain parts of, of his inner life. And I have become extremely uncomfortable over the last week with some of the things that God has revealed to me are still in my heart. Pride, pushing myself forward, not being humble, being right, as well as some other things. And so I've been spending a good bit of my time with the Lord, digging down by the Spirit to the bottom of those issues and repenting and standing by faith that they will be removed from me by the power of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has the power to break every bondage of sin. Now, 1 Peter 1, 22 is very, very important. I think I better turn to it again. I shared it yesterday, but I better turn and read it to you again. I could quote it, but I don't want to. Instead, I want want to actually read it from the New International Version. Now that you have, this is uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. You remember in First John it said, confess your sins and Jesus will purify you from all uncleanness. Well, how does Jesus purify you from all uncleanness? Is that through imputed grace? Imputed righteousness? No, absolutely not. It is imparted righteousness. It's real righteousness. 
And the way he purifies us is he makes it very plain to our hearts how he wants us to obey him. And as we take those very specific steps of obedience, our hearts are purified by the blood of Jesus. This is not legalism. We are saved by grace and grace alone. But grace is not a blanket to cover our sin. Grace tells us how to walk in righteousness. So when we come back to this story, and I want to finish it now, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit wants to purify your life. You have an agenda that needs to be fulfilled based on a promise of God, if you're willing to take that promise and risk that promise. But when you stand on that promise, the promise comes and stands on your head. What do I mean? I mean, now God begins to use that promise and your desire for its fulfillment as a way to get at things that are in your life that he's not pleased with. God always deals with his agenda first, and then he takes up your agenda. And so... I can't go tomorrow morning into the presence of God if I have walked in disobedience this afternoon. Very specific obedience is required of me. I have the power to do what he's asked me to do because he's put that power in me. That's called grace. Now, I'm going to continue with this story, and then we're going to come back to this, because I have much more I need to say to you about how to activate the promises of God. But Reese House continued in the place of abiding, a set time, a set place, reading the Sermon on the Mount, uh, obeying whatever the Holy Spirit told him to do. And as he continued in that place of abiding, they were handles that the Holy Spirit could get a hold of his life and begin to change his character. And as his character was changed, he sensed in his spirit that the Holy Spirit was working to convert this woman, this drunkard. Now, there are degrees and stages in abiding in Jesus. The deeper our oneness with Jesus, the more power of the risen life of Christ can operate through us. New positions of spiritual authority are available to us as we press in deeper and deeper into Jesus and withdraw our roots from the world, the flesh, and the devil. If you insist that you're going to continue watching television, if you insist that you're going to continue watching the entertainment of the day, the sports, what will happen to you? 
you will not have power in the prayer closet. You will have a very shallow Christian experience. You will be a Laodicean Christian. You will be lukewarm. You won't be on fire for Jesus because your heart is in the game that you're playing on the Internet or your heart is in the entertainment of the world. Your heart is in your job and in your making of money and your purchasing of things. And as long as your heart is given to all of these things, remember what Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, that is the authority of Christ, to be exercised over you. Seek to have his authority over you and seek his righteousness, and all of these other things will be given to you. Well, how does that work? That works by withdrawing from the world and putting my root into Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about how to do that in just a minute. During the first week of the abiding, the Lord spoke to Reese every night on many different things, and he began to deal with his nature. He showed Reese things that he never dreamed were there. He got down into the very motives of Reese's heart. Reese even began to think, is it possible for me to retreat from this? I don't want this. I sympathize. The Lord is dealing with me in such a, an intricately painful way because he wants to flow through my life and there are some blocks to him in my life. There are some places where I've been abiding in my own desires and he's saying, you have to cut that off, Ray. You have to come into me. Well, with that obedience, Reese discovered, as I have, that there comes a cleansing by the blood of Jesus. And Reese could see that the Holy Spirit was binding the devil over this woman's life for whom he was praying. He realized he was not fighting against flesh and blood to win this woman. The issue was the wicked demon spirits in heavenly places that had placed this woman in bondage and they had to be bound and they had to be kicked out for the Holy Spirit to begin to move in this woman's heart and bring her across into the kingdom of God. So as the weeks went on, Reese gave prompt obedience to the Holy Spirit in every area the Spirit spoke to him of. And he found that there were wonderful times of fellowship. And at the end of six weeks of praying for this woman, the Holy Spirit told him the abiding was complete and the victory was assured. Now, he was called to still abide, to still walk in position with the Lord, but now to expect to see this woman of her own volition, come and repent of her sin and leave her drunkenness and her wild parties and be utterly converted and become a part of the kingdom of God. Reese reported that that 
very night when he was told the victory was won, he saw this woman come to an open-air meeting that they held. It was the first time this woman had ever come to a meeting. And Reese told the devil, Now I know that the Holy Spirit is stronger than you. You have been brought to naught by Calvary. He still did not reach out to this woman. He didn't go talk to her after the meeting. He stayed away from her. But then suddenly, she began to come to one of the cottage meetings that he was holding. Now, a lot of people had heard about this decision to pray this woman into the kingdom of God by Christmas, and they were watching. And now, Reese was calling everyone to simply praise God, stand by faith, don't pray for her conversion anymore, it's finished, it's done. Well, it was a conflict with not praying, he said. The adversary pressed on us the need to pray. But Reese says it would have been a prayer of doubt. It was finished. It was done. Now, there was still absolutely no outward sign of repentance from this woman. Christmas morning came. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Reese, go up and possess it. Moses was a man who operated in the same way. There were others in the scripture who operated in the same way. Reese said not a single doubt came to his mind that day. He was strong in the Lord. He praised God all day long. He wouldn't even look at his Christmas cards or presents. He said, this was my Christmas gift, her conversion. Well, the the time came for the meeting Christmas night, and the woman was there. But because it was Christmas, a lot of people had brought their children, and there was Lots of noise and confusion, the kind of atmosphere which would not influence a person to repent. But right in the middle of the meeting, this woman suddenly, without warning, fell on her knees and began to cry aloud to God for mercy. It was a victory beyond value. And Reese reported she continued to stand faithful as a Christian. Within a short time, Reese Howells was able to prove again what a great secret he had learned. I'm not going to share that part of the story. I may share that tomorrow. But let's, in the last minutes we have of this broadcast, I want to take you specifically to how to activate the promises of God. Now, to that, go with me to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Now, what I'm going to tell you is not easy. It will require a great deal of honesty and concern on your part. There are, in Matthew 5, what we've called the Beatitudes. They are the key to activating the promises of God. 
The first, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. It requires, if you want to activate the promises of God, you see the desperate need, whether it's for finances or healing, whether it's for the salvation of a loved one, the door through which you must enter to activate your promise or your credit card to heaven is coming into the presence of God and acknowledging that all of the power belongs to Jesus. That you cannot in yourself do anything to make this promise come true. It requires coming in the prayer closet and absolute honesty is required to confess the pride of your heart in thinking you could do something and acknowledging that you can't make it happen. Now, we could speak a great deal about this, and I will come back to it tomorrow. But the second beatitude is, Blessed are the ones mourning, for they will be comforted. So in other words, the first step in entering into the activation of a promise of God is to be absolutely honest with God that you can't make this promise be fulfilled. That if God doesn't do it, you can't do it. See, a large donation has been promised by the Holy Spirit for the work of the gospel. I can't make that happen. I don't even know who it is that God is moving on to make that offering. I have no ability to do anything. I have to come and acknowledge my absolute poorness of spirit, my inability to do anything to make this take place. Yes, I claim the promise. Yes, I say, Lord, I agree with you. It is going to happen, but Lord, I can't make it happen. Now, part of what will happen to you is as you take places of abiding, you are giving God handles to get a hold of your life. Like one of my places of abiding is that I will not turn the radio on in my car. I won't listen to music or to any programming on my radio in the car. And so as I drive, that's time to fellowship and listen to the Holy Spirit. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who begin to mourn over their condition of powerlessness and the desperate need they have for God to move in this promise. Then the next step is the third beatitude, blessed are the humble, they will inherit the earth. So now, if I can't make it happen, and the power is totally in Jesus, I have to come by faith, which is simply lifeless hands, to hold the promise of God. And the power is all in Jesus, not in me. 
This requires time to work through this. It's not going to be done in five minutes or ten minutes or even an hour. It's going to require turning aside from the world, the flesh, and the devil. But you may say, Pastor, I really don't need that promise that badly. Okay. You're saying you can handle it on your own. You can earn the money you need by yourself. You can take care of your life as you need to take care of it, and you don't need the promises of God to be activated. Okay, don't play games with God. If you don't need his promise, don't pay the price. Don't try to activate the promise if you don't need it. I need the promises of God. I'll die without them. Well, we're out of time for today. We're going to continue this tomorrow. Please uh, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and click the like button. My brother, my sister, we've got to learn how to walk in Jesus a whole new way. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Christ.